of Yahweh and murmurs his law day and night. Now that sounds like a bad word. That sounds like the people of Israel murmuring against Moses and against their God. But it means to chew on scripture. The Message Bible tells us it's chewing on scripture. The NIV says it's to meditate. Remember Ben Natoko when he was here about the cow chewing its cud over and over and regurgitating it. That's what it is. That's what the meaning of this is to murmur the word of God, murmur the law of God, to regurgitate, to meditate, to chew on the word of God. Such is one, such a one is like a tree planted near streams. Such is who? Those who meditate day and night on the word. Such a one is like a tree planted near streams. It bears fruit in season and its leaves never wither. And every project succeeds. The NIV says whatever he does prospers. And you know, quite often we can take the Old Testament and there are those who want to say, we've got to obey the law, we've got to obey the commands. But you know, it's the spirit of the law, not the letter of the law. Because the Old Testament tells us that we should build a parapet around our roof so that those on the roof won't fall off and hurt themselves or worse, kill themselves. If we take the letter of the law, then we should all have a parapet around our roof. However, if we take the spirit of the law, if we take the heart of the law, when people come to our place, we should make sure that our handrails are in place so they don't fall off the edge. We should make sure that we've actually had a qualified electrician fix our PowerPoints and electrical devices so they don't get electrocuted in our house. That's what this means. It's not just you have to do this and do it to the letter of the law. It's the spirit of the law. And so when we meditate on the law of the Lord, we need to meditate not just on the do's and the don'ts. Meditate on the heart. God wants to bless us. God wants to make us a blessing. God wants us to be his hands and feet that his kingdom might increase on this earth. You know, I got offended many years ago over in Perth, prosperity teacher. You know, sometimes we think of prosperity as, well, you know, it's amassing wealth, it's amassing cars and houses. And, and I got offended at this American preacher because well-known evangelist, well-known healer, well-known Holy Spirit man, And we had to wait for 20 minutes before the service actually started at this great big revival meeting because the ones who were favoured were the ones who used to pay or or did pay and sponsor this evangelist the most money. So the, the top sponsors had the first six or seven rows. There was an area for them. They were allowed into the building, into the church, an hour before. And they had a privileged and a special position. Along came the evangelist in a Rolls Royce that he had actually bought over from America because he had to travel in his flash car, in his wonderful car. And then he spent an hour talking about the offering to his own ministry. But he wasn't talking to the people, the special people that he had in the centre. He was talking to everybody else who weren't sponsoring his ministry and he made that quite known. When he finally took up an offering for his own ministry, then it was... You know, he was just really just preaching to this special crowd and leaving everybody else alone. I was offended because that's that's the bad side of prosperity teaching. That's the amassing wealth and God can give you this and God God wants to bless us 
so that we might be a blessing. Not that we would withhold it, not that we would amass wealth, but that we would be used to further his kingdom. You see, we can do the right thing in the wrong way. The right thing in the wrong way. Numbers 27 to 12. Moses again at the rock. You know, the people are murmuring, they're grumbling, they're complaining. At the rock, they haven't had any water. So God says to Moses, take your staff and speak to the rock. Take your staff and speak to the rock. What did Moses get up and do? He got up in front of all the people with Aaron. Must we bring water out of this rock? And he struck the rock twice. Water flowed. God answered his cry. But then God said to Aaron and to Moses, you will not enter the promised land because you did not obey me. When it comes to God's word, to his instructions particularly, we must obey him. You see, maybe Moses was a little bit confused because remember the story of the ten plagues. There were six of the plagues where he was told, stretch out your hand, stretch out your, what was in his hand, his staff, stretch out your hand. There were the, the six plagues where he was told to stretch out his hand. Two of those he was told to strike the Nile with it and it would turn into blood. The other one he was told to strike the ground and gnats came upon the people. Then two time, or sorry, three times Moses was told to speak, speak the plagues into being. And he spoke. He wasn't told to do anything with his hands or with his staff. He spoke. And then there was the time the boils, the plagues of boils, he was told to fill his hands with soot and throw it into the air and boils came upon the people. So Moses was given different instructions at different times. Quite often we can do the right thing at the wrong time or we can do the wrong thing at the right time. We need to be carefully listening because sometimes God changes those instructions. Are we a fruit-bearing branch, listening and obeying, or are we just in stick in the mud that God used to do it this way? And what he's going to do, he's going to always do the same. You know, Moses was told to he was told to speak to the rock, but he struck the rock in anger. Water flowed forth, but he was punished, him and Aaron. You know, our heart of worship, the heart of, of, of um, the law, worship is the first fruits of the heart. Is it a song or just songs that we sing on a Sunday? Worship is the sum total of our life, every minute, every day, who we are when no one's looking. Serving God, are we serving God or are we serving money? The Bible tells us we cannot serve two masters. We'll either love the one and hate the other. We'll only suffer in the end if we love the wrong one. What comes out of your mouth when you get upset? Blessing or cursing? What is in your hand? What is in your mouth? Are we blessing? Are we cursing? Are we withholding blessing from others? Are we honest or deceitful? For no one can serve two masters. Honesty or lies? Who are we serving? The father of lies or the father of light? Who do we trust with our possessions or our increase with our finances? Worship is not just what we do on Sunday when all the church folk can see us. It's who we are. It's the core of our life. Worship's not just a song. It's not just a half an hour on a Sunday. Worship is a lifestyle. How's our heart? Are we living to the, the letter of the law or are we and, and showing everybody 
Yes, we're obeying the law outwardly when in our heart we hate what we do because we don't really want to give that or we don't want to bless this one, but we do it because others are looking. Isaiah 66, verses 2 to 3. This is the one I esteem, he who is humble and contrite in spirit and who trembles at my word. But, this used to worry me, and then I did an assignment on it at college, and I thought, now I understand it. Whoever sacrifices a bull is like one who kills a man. What? Whoever offers a lamb like one who breaks a dog's neck. Whoever makes... Oh, it wasn't me, I hope. Sorry. Whoever makes a grain offering is like the one who presents pig's blood. And whoever burns memorial incense like one who worships an idol, they have chosen their own ways and their souls delight in their abominations. The right thing with the wrong heart. The nation of Israel at that time was serving two masters. They were heavily into witchcraft and idolatry. Yet on the outside in front of all the Israelite people, they were presenting the sacrifices that they were told to present. God didn't accept their sacrifices. Remember, and Pastor James talked about this last week, Cain and Abel. Cain brought some of the fruits of the soil as an offering to the Lord, but Abel brought fat portions from some of the firstborn of his flock. The Lord looked with favour on Abel and his offering, but on Cain his offering did not look with favour. So Cain was very angry and his face was downcast. Not sure what that is. Hope it's not this. See, we can do the right thing in the wrong way. Cain had to go a step further and bring his fruit to Abel and purchase that which he was commanded to bring as an offering, a lamb and the, one of the, the best, not just a, one that was just about half dead, but one that was the best. So he didn't go the, the, the next step. He did the right thing, but in the wrong way. Exodus 23, 19. Bring the best of the first fruits of your soil. Is there something up here that needs turning off? I'm not sure. Sorry? It is this? I think it bends over that area when you do that. Oh, okay. All right. Thank you. Now I'm wired for sound. We can do the right thing in the wrong way. The right thing in the wrong way? The wrong thing in the right way? Okay, that's better. Bring the first fruits, Exodus 23, 19, bring the first fruits of your soil to the house of the Lord your God. Do not cook a young goat in its mother's milk. Hey, isn't there a lot of stuff in particularly the Old Testament? Do not cook a goat in its mother's milk. In the same passage or the same verse where it says, bring of the first fruits, bring of the best of your soil. Bring of the first that sprouts forth, but do not cook a young goat in its mother's milk. See, they were given specific instructions that they must roast the meat on the fire. This is either a lamb or a goat in the Hebrew. They were given instructions that they must roast. They were also given instructions that they must not mix in their sacrifices. They must not mix meat and milk. 
Now, isn't it interesting that Paul talks in the New, New Testament about the milk of the Word and the meat of the Word, the meat of the Word speaking of maturity and that we must start out with the milk, but mature to, to understand and to meditate on the meat of the Word. I just thought I'd throw that in. They probably don't go together, but, you know, they were given specific instructions in Israel in that day, and quite often they would do the right thing, but in the wrong way. Now, in Carnarvon in WA, when we were pastoring there, it was about six months. We were there for six months, and we're actually living on a plantation. They call it a plantation. It was a farm, but a plantation sounds like, um, sounds like the um, black Americans' um, slaves, doesn't it? We're living on a plantation, on a poor, poor plantation. And one day, one Sunday, the owner of the plantation, the guy whose house we lived in, he brought, now this is a pretty good looking pawpaw to the, compared to the one that he brought and gave to us. He brought this pawpaw and almost made a big ceremony out of it. Pastor, I'd like to give you this. This is the first of my fruits of my plantation. Now I didn't understand it particularly and I looked at it and I thought, okay, thanks very much, but that's not a really good looking pawpaw, but thank you, I was thinking. I didn't understand, and year after year we watched that guy. God just poured blessing on his plantation, on his fruit, on his harvest, on his crop, because he was one who was sowing into the lives of people in Indonesia. He would bring a trainee out, train them in horticulture, train them in Bible college, and then send them back to support themselves, but also to work in the kingdom of God in their little community. And so he gave us the first fruits of his land each year. His sister-in-law lived over in another paddock. Now, who gets the pawpaw? Michaela? There you go. His sister-in-law lived over the paddock and they had an avocado farm. What happened maybe a couple of months later? She brought this avocado and said, here, pastor, this is for you and your family. I'm thinking, my family doesn't eat avocado, but I love them. This is the first fruits of my crop. I want to bless you with this first fruits and we just want to honour God. And we watched their business also thrive and be blessed. Now, Abby, thank you for helping me before. Sorry, I didn't bring chocolate because I didn't think of it, but there you go, that's healthy. First fruits. Second Chronicles 31, 4 to 20. Hezekiah ordered the people living in Jerusalem to give the portion due to the priests and the Levites so they could devote themselves to the law of the Lord. As soon as the order went out, the Israelites generously gave the first fruits of their grain, new wine, oil and honey and all that the fields produced. They brought a great amount, a tithe of everything. Verse 10 in 2 Chronicles 31, And Azariah the chief priest from the family of Zadok answered, Since the people began to bring their contribution to the temple of the Lord, we have had enough to eat and plenty to spare, because the Lord has blessed his people and this great amount is left over. In these verses, we find they brought heaps of things. Literally, they piled them up in heaps. And there were heaps left to bless others. That word in the Old Testament, devoted, I don't have the Hebrew word, but devoted. The word devoted means, you know, we, we read about the things that were devoted in the temple. Some were devoted to worship. Others were devoted to, in, to destruction, especially when they plundered an, another or had a battle, and, and they would take the, um, uh, the goods, 
from the other nation. Some were to be destroyed. They were devoted to be destroyed. Others were devoted to be instruments of worship in the temple. You know, and there's some things in our life that God wants us to devote to Him. Some things to worship and other things to destruction, that we might put an end to them and finish those in our life. Devoting oneself to our God. You know, the Bible says in James, draw near to Him and He will draw near to you. How do we get closer to God? By devoting certain things in our life, some to worship, some to be finished in destruction. First fruits. You know, my favourite prophets in the Bible, or my favourite people in the Bible, Elijah and Elisha, 1 Kings 17, 7 to 16. Elijah, he was by the brook. Ravens were feeding him. The brook dried up. And he was told to go. God said to him, go to this place and I have prepared a widow to feed you. Now, when he came across the widow at the gates, what, she, what was she doing? She had a bundle of sticks. She was collecting sticks. She said to him, he asked her for a drink of water. She said, okay, I can get you a drink of water. As she was leaving, he said to her, can you please also bake me a cake? I'll have a little bit of bread, please. She turned around and she said, these sticks that I'm collecting, I'm using them to make a fire. We have a little bit of flour. We have a little bit of water in our house. For me and my son, I'm going to bake the last meal. Then we're going to die. What did Elijah say to her? That's good, that's fine, but I believe that God has prepared you to feed me and look after me. God's told me that. And he said that your flour and your water won't run dry if only you will bake me a cake or cake of bread and give it to me first. What happened? We read that that happened. Until the rain flowed again or until the rain fell again, the flour didn't dry up and the water didn't dry up. God just kept replenishing. God blessed her that she would be a blessing even to the man of God. First fruits, sticks. Also, there's that thing of what is in our house. We mightn't have much in our hand, but what is in our house? Another widow in Elisha's day, she said, my husband, your servant, Elisha, one of the prophets, who's serving you, has died. Now creditors are coming. They want to take my two sons away. What can I do? Can you help me? Elisha said to her, what is in your house? She said, nothing. I've got nothing except a little bit of oil. Elisha said to her, expect the unexpected. Go and get as many pots as you can because God wants to bless you to be a blessing, not just to pay your debt, but also to be a blessing to those in your neighbourhood, those in your town. And so she went and got pots and we read that the, this is in 2 Kings chapter 4, that the oil didn't run out until all the pots were full and there was none to be filled up, no more to be filled, blessed to be a blessing. Again, a stick, Elisha, was asked to go. This room, this temple is too small, or not the temple, but their place of worship, their place of meeting, the prophets, was too small. Elisha, would you please come to us? We want to build a bigger building. We want to make room, more room for God, more room for the servants of God. Elisha, would you come with us? We read the story, 2 Kings chapter 6, how when they were chopping down trees, the axe head flew off 
landed in the water, the guys were quite upset. Bandatoko talked about this a couple of weeks ago. The guys were upset. They said, Elisha, oh no, this axe head was borrowed. Where did it fall, said Elisha? There in the water. So he took another axe or he got a stick, threw it in the water. What was in his hand? Threw it in the water. The axe head floated and their dignity was restored because they were able to return the axe. Another use of a stick in a hand. Numbers 17, 1 to 8. The Lord said to Moses, speak to the Israelites and get 12 staffs from them, one from the leader of each of their ancestral tribes. Write the name of each man on his staff. The people were murmuring and complaining and grumbling because they were saying God didn't hear from, uh, Moses didn't hear from God. They were murmuring against Moses and Aaron leading the people. They were murmuring against God. Why are we stuck out here in the desert? We'd rather be back in Israel, uh, back in Egypt, sorry. And so the Lord said to Moses, go and collect from the 12 tribes a staff from each of them and write each person's name on them, the leader of that tribe. And you will see, the people will see, whoever I bless, whoever's staff that I bless, in my presence, when, they, when you put it in my presence, whoever staff I bless will be the leader, the one I speak through, the one I give my commands through, the one that the people should obey in worship to their God. And we read Aaron's staff represented the house of Levi had not only sprouted, but had budded, blossomed and brought forth almonds. Now I know almonds are a nut, but brought forth fruit. Again, are we just a stick in the mud or are we a fruit-bearing branch? You know, we have been given the river of the water of life, Revelation 22, verses 1 to 2. Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life as clear as crystal, <clears throat> excuse me, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb down the middle of the great street of the city. On each side of the river stood the tree of life bearing 12 crops of fruit, yielding its fruit every month, and the leaves of the tree are for healing of the nations. You know, in the, in the New Testament, Romans 8.23, we have the first fruits of the Spirit, adoption as sons and daughters into God's family. Through adoption, we as Gentiles are included as a wild olive shoot grafted into the rootstock of the first fruits of Israel, God's chosen people, Romans 11.6. Through Jesus, we are joint heirs with Christ he is the firstborn of a new creation, a new creation generation raised from the dead as the firstfruits of those who have fallen asleep. 1 Corinthians 15, 20 and 23. We are now, says James 1 verse 18, we are now the firstfruits of a new creation in Christ as we identify with his death. He paid for our sins with his life. His burial, our sins are buried and gone forevermore. And his resurrection to new life on the third day, we identify with Jesus as the first fruits of a new creation. Back to the river of the water of life. Ezekiel prophesied about the river of the water of life flowing from the presence of God at the altar. As it began to pool in a, reserv in a reservoir, it became ankle deep, knee deep, waist deep, and then a river 
that no one could cross. To swim in it, one would have to be fully suspended in it, trusting, trusting it to keep you afloat and support you. Would you agree with that? Ankle deep, knee deep, waist deep, and then finally, swimming and fully supported. Can I have the next slide, please, EJ? We had to trust it to keep the river of the water of life to keep us afloat and support us. Would you agree? But there was a place where the river once flowed in Ezekiel. This is in Ezekiel chapter 47, verse 11. But the swamps and the marshes will not become fresh. They will be left for salt. And it is our responsibility to keep track of where the river flows, not the same old stick in the mud, not the same old traditions or habits. Just as God instructed Moses, stretch out your hand, strike sometimes, and at other times speak. Sometimes, one time particularly, he did the right thing in the wrong way. Can I have the singers and musicians, please? Again, are you a fruit-bearing branch or a stick in the mud? You know, when we take up our first fruits offering, when is that again, Pastor James? The end of July, okay, and we go for a few weeks. It's not just one Sunday. We'll go probably for the month, four, four weeks, something like that. You're not under any obligation to give anything at the time of our first fruit celebration. It's free will. It's free choice. Nobody is going to tell you what you have to give. It's free will. It's up to you. But let me ask you this. God wants to restore his people. He wants to restore the years that the canker worm has taken away. But would you like to stay as a slave in Egypt? Or would you like to see what God can do with the stick in your hand as you let him use it in the right way, the way that he asks us, each and every one individually? Will your oil run out this year or your flour and water for that matter? Will your dreams remain sunk like the axe head or would you trust your stick to the water to refloat the dreams and the visions God gave you? Branches bearing fruit or a stick cut off, separated from the river of the water of life. What is in your hand, expect a miracle. God wants to bless you to be a blessing to others. He doesn't want to bless you just to amass wealth. He doesn't want to bless you. That's prosperity teaching. He doesn't want to bless you to just keep it within your vessel. God wants to bless you to be a blessing. Expect the unexpected. You know, this morning as we just close, as we sing a song, I know, I don't know this really, but God's just dropped it in my heart. There are many of us here today looking for a miracle, looking for a miracle in provision, looking for a miracle in our families, looking for a miracle in our lives, in our job situation. God just asks you, trust me in this. Trust me in this. I want to bless you to be a blessing. Even though you might not have anything in your hand right now, I want to bless you to be a blessing. God's word for you today, each and every one of you, expect the unexpected. So this morning as we just sing a song, I just ask, if you need a miracle, 
come forward. Let's just, we'll get the prayer team. Let's just agree with you. God is the God of blessing. He wants to do good to you. He doesn't want to harm you, take away from you. That's the enemy's work. God wants to bless you to be a blessing. God bless you. Come on, can we stand together, church? Mm-hmm.